This, 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 this is mythical. Welcome to Ear Biscuits. I'm Rhett. And I'm Link. On this week's show, we have Freddie Wong joining us. We had a good conversation with Freddie. You are going to enjoy it. We talked about what it's like growing up as a first-generation Chinese-American. How he made money off of a feature-length film that he made while he was still in high school. And how he became a world champion guitar hero player. Hmm. For reals. Yeah. And, and more stuff. I mean, those are just some of the things that are... World champion. Are, the best in the world at one time. Yeah. I mean... I've never played the game at all. You've so heard it here, folks. It's, it's called an ear biscuit. There's plenty of biscuits to be doled <laughs> out into your ears today. But you were telling me how you've used two women's restrooms today? Yeah. It, incidentally, it has just worked out. That I, first of all, I don't use, I don't make a habit of walking into women's restrooms or using them in general, but it was. I think it's <clears> illegal, <throat> by the way. You know what? That was what I was wondering because I, when I was in the first one, I was thinking, is this, can I be arrested for this? But what? For what? Indecent exposure? Is, I mean, if the, is, was there a woman in there? No, no. It was a single, it was a single person single at the time. Single use. We, we were at uh, the, the, the uh, coffee, Trespassing? coffee shop that we were at this morning and I needed to take a leak. Just sorry to say, it's got to be blunt with you. That's you don't what, need to be blunt. That's you don't what need I needed to be specific. To do. Well, I needed to go to the bathroom. And, uh, well, I'm, I think there's a difference. If I had to have to do the full thing, I, I don't know if I would have gone in the women's restroom. But, so I go to the men's restroom, it's locked, and I'm like, listen, we need to leave, I need to go. And I look, and I can tell that there's no, the, the women's restroom has like a little crack in the door, and I just like look around real quick, and psh, boom, I'm in there, and I lock it behind me do my deed and then I and then I leave and I'm thankful at the time when I walk out that there's that there's not a woman standing there. That's what it comes down to, doesn't it? The the I've used that same women's restroom by the way because <laughs> It's be, a good one. Because you never I there's been guys who just stand there a long time. Some yeah, of them right. may be homeless, I don't know, they may be right. doing the Something's whole shower thing. It happens in LA. The bird bath. But it's the going in is easy. It's the coming out that's gets dicey. You can't make eye she, contact with a girl if you Is she going to be waiting? <laughs> is there going to be a female there waiting? But yeah, I do want to say that yes, and then when we ate at that end. Yes, a woman was waiting? No, no, no woman was waiting, but yes, it happened two times a day. Now, the first time I was in there, I was thinking legitimately, is this like against the law or against some restaurant code or something? It, probably not. It's pro- I think it's just suggested this is the men's and this is the women's. I don't know. I, I, if anybody out there does have an informed legal opinion about whether it's illegal to go into the wrong restroom, please tweet us at Rhett and Link and let us know, and we'll see that. Now, let me ask you a question about this. Um, did you sit down? <laughs> you just said you had to do number one. I'm not a woman. Now, I, I, <laughs> I know that, but did you feel like you should do as the women do because that's the restroom you were in? No, I just took special pains to not splash a lot. And I and I made sure the seat the, the seat was splash up. a lot. What are you doing? Throwing <laughs> stones in there or something? Sir Splash a lot is my rap name. <laughs> so so but I, <laughs> I you know okay, so you know, I, I, I was very first of all, I noticed, and that's what I wanted to get to was I noticed that it was A clean and B smelled good. And I was like, it is so weird that it smells good in here. And then we're at the Indian restaurant and uh, I needed to do the same thing. This is later, lunchtime. Right. Well, I had to pee more, multiple times in a day. Five hours later. And uh, I got to find another women's restroom. I'm waiting outside of the men's restroom at this Indian restaurant. And the guy who works there, the waiter is like, uh, uh, he says, go ahead, use that one. There's no ladies here. And I was like, okay. And so I walked into the women's restroom again. 
And again, it just hit me like a wall when I walked in. It smells good in here. And then it hit me as I began to think deeper on this, that in general, women smell better than men. Of course they do. All the time. You know, now that we are we're married to women, we're basically in charge of the way our house looks and smells. The house smells good all the time. But, but I mean, that's not their jobs. They have other jobs. They, they're not just. I'm saying in, in in the particular in our household, that is what the, the the girls in our in our lives they've taken that upon themselves because they know that we're not going to do a good they job. They have with that. developed opinions about these. Yes, things. and I'm just like if you if if you want the bed to look like a princess bed from like a Barbie uh, house, then you go for it. You know, I'll sleep in it. It'll be great. But the it, house... It looks dark when my eyes are closed. <laughs> the house smells good, and women smell good in general. And I know that they typically will wear, you know, some perfumes and these kinds of things. But there's dudes who wear a cologne, but you can still smell that there's a guy underneath that cologne. Mm. You know what I mean? What is it? It's just a futile covering. That's what cologne should say on it. Because men use it. <laughs> uh, it's It's pheromones. Oh, really? Oh, really? It's pheromones, and that's what makes me feel better about it. <laughs> it sends a signal that to to women, and now just to my wife. I only send it to her. Oh, you're that saying I am masculine, and I I stink because I do things that I conquer things like earth and sod, and I, I go in women's restrooms I mean, when women aren't looking. I haven't seen dirt under your fingernails in twelve years. But there's still some there, and it smells funny. <laughs> I can bet you that. I, I don't. I, yeah, it's some sort of hormonal thing. It's not that we smell bad; it's, it's that we don't smell good. Let's just put it that it's way. It's just guys in a room. Over time, it gets bad. But girls in a room, over time, it doesn't get bad. Are you saying that by speaking of the smell of women's restrooms, that women's poop doesn't stink? Is that what you're getting I'm at? Are you questioning? I'm beginning to develop a sincere inquiry. Inquiry. I can't say that word. I live with. I am inquiring uh, into whether or not women's poop stinks. You live with a woman. I do not go in there when she's pooping because if it doesn't Is this really where this conversation (laughs) is gone? Are we doing this again? Are we having... It's just so pathetic, man. Did we do this like in one of the first episodes? Was there like bathroom humor? There always is. I wouldn't call this bathroom humor. I would just call it bathroom talk. (laughs) I'd call it pathetic. I'm sorry. for. I know there are Uh, those of you out there who have an aversion Everybody to bathroom conversation. If, if you're above it, if you're above it, the, the, you must be some sort of alien. That's all I got to say. I live with two women and and there are times when they rival anything I've ever put out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's get into this conversation that we had with Freddie. And in case uh, you don't happen to know it already. He's this got, guy is a YouTube powerhouse. Yeah, he's got over 6.5 million subscribers on his YouTube channel that he shares with his friend Brandon. That's the Freddie W channel. You didn't want to say Brandon's last name? Because uh, you don't know how to say it? I, I mean, he's got a lot Brandon of- Brandon Latch. got a lot of vowels. It has a T, S, C, and H all together. So if you say that phonetically, it's Latch. <laughs> I mean, that, there's no way that's how you're supposed to say it. So Latch. Let's just call him Brandon. They just completed the second season of uh, the narrative series Video Game High School. You've probably heard of it. It's got, you know, bazillions of views. And it's it's narrative, so it's it's breaking some ground on the YouTube space. In, it is. In my opinion. And we broke some ground today with Mr. Freddie Wong. Here it is, our conversation with him. So 
So you found this place. I mean, it, it could be kind of shady, but we turned on the yellow light. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. As soon as that yellow light was on, it was like, oh, okay, well, duh. The yeah, yellow. no, I found it, found it. Okay. Yeah, yeah it's a mysterious location. It's, um... Purposefully. It's almost, it's almost as a, I would say, uh, you've been, like, nice Pete's old... Is he still in that recording studio? That little on, ha- It's a house? Yeah, right. It's just oh, the yeah. most random, like, huh, you, hmm, this is... <laughs> Okay. This is nice. <laughs> yeah, this that's is... That's what you mean, right? Yeah. That's, where, that's where you're going with that. Well, what I mean is that, but that's also like similar stealth mode, you know? You never you never find that. Well, you don't want to put a sign up, right? I mean... No, we, but it looks like a freaking house. But like, we, but he's he, like a yeah. house. We did make the mistake, oh, though, one yes. time of putting up a sign because we had some... Uh, we had some people coming for interviews. Mm. And, yeah, uh, you're talking about at this location. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we put up a little sign on the front because there's no indicator that, that we're here. Mm-hmm. And it was like Red and Link Studios or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. We came up with a, just a temporary name to put Rink and, rink and Let. And uh, we put it up for about 30 minutes. And in that 30 minute no window, way. a family, a dad and two kids came knocking. No yeah, way. And came in. And did you give them the job or? <laughs> yeah, we, we gave the kids the job. <laughs> we charged them for photos. The other funny thing is, and I'll, I'll tell you what the complete opposite of that mentality is, is the, this madman, Rob Deerdick. So oh, yeah. Rob Deerdick has the fantasy factory mm-hmm. very close to where we were downtown. And it's like, we're like, well, I wonder where it is. Because you know, we were doing a shoot with him. And so we're like, I, we, we, we know it has to be around here. It has to be. We've seen these, you know, the videos. It's, like it's, it's, it's just like this area. It has to be. Right. And then we're like, where is it? We got on Google Maps. And there's one street in the entirety of that area next to us that's completely not Google mapped out. And we're like, that's got to be it. Like, who? why would this one street not be mapped out when every other street is? We go there. Sure enough, it is. But he has his name on the side of the buildings, Deerdick Enterprises. So he went through the trouble of blacking <laughs> right. out yeah. Google Maps, but yeah. then he plasters then his, he name, plasters on his name on And what's crazy is we go in and it's like every time we were doing a, like a tech scout or just to you know, check the space out or talk to him, every time we came out, Without fail, three or four people holding signs, being like, Rob, Rob, is Rob in there? Hey, 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 uh, do, do, uh, you know if uh, Mr. Deerdick is in there? <laughs> and everybody was pitching him business ideas. Like they had, like, I got this crazy, like this dude was there with like this bizarre bike looking contra- contraption. He was like, I got this unicycle bike, man. And I think Rob would just dig it, dude. And it's like, <laughs> whoa. He's pitching to you. No, you, yeah, he knows exactly. you're going in. Yeah. And what's crazy is because I think it's because there's a couple of his shows. It's like, he's all about like, yo man, I'll take the crazy ideas that you have and turn it into, you know, like, and that's like a couple so of his shows. So did he let the unicycle guy come in? No, he's just like those people out there, man. I don't even know. Send him our way. That's <laughs> crazy. I'll let him know. Hey, we'll be seeing him Just tell him to sit outside our door on the unicycle. On the unicycle no, You mean the unicycle guy. I thought you meant Rob. No, I want, I want, I want the unicycle guy. I want to get in double, on the unicycle. It was a double unicycle thing. That's called a bicycle. Yeah. Well, no, it was, it was the double <laughs> unicycle. <laughs> well, what it was, was both, well, here's what it was. It was both wheel sets were independent. So you could like turn them and do like the tightest radius to turns you can imagine. So it was two wheels right next to each other. No, no, no. Two wheels in a bicycle formation, but both had independent uh, uh, torque ability, torsional ability. So it'd be like a bicycle, but both, if, if the handlebar side was on, if the handlebars worked on both sides. Hmm. So you could do like crazy. It's like a hook and ladder uh, fire truck. It steers from both ends. Yeah, <laughs> right. I have a story about that, by the way. One of the funniest stories that we've ever had. Okay. Are Give we rolling now? Him. Are we going? Yeah, yeah, this, this is it. Oh, this is it. Oh, yeah. Good times, good times. Um, so one time. You have a story about a hook and ladder fire okay. truck. So we have been, so, you know, okay. We'll get, okay, you know, here, here's what we'll do, okay? We will get to this story 
in oh. just a bit. Teaser. Because in, like order, in order to properly contextualize a story, we need to go back. Yeah, well, we were going to ask you to go back all the way all to right. the Do you guys womb. have an intro or is this just it? We're on. Yeah, we do the intro after you leave. Oh, Listen, I see. Don't try to produce our podcast. I'm just saying. I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> We've I'm just got saying. this, man. Okay. Anyway, okay. We've got this, but let's go all the way back okay, okay. to Baby Freddy. Okay, so I uh, Seattle. I was born in Seattle. Okay, uh, I was born in a neighborhood called Normandy Park, and Normandy Park is notable for two things, as far as I'm concerned: retirement homes and churches, and that's it. And that's all that we had there, and that's what sort of you know had we had. We, I lived on a cul-de-sac, mm-hmm. and so who'd uh, you grow up with? I grew in this up cul-de-sac. <laughs> I grew up with uh, my brother, my younger brother Jimmy, who was like a year and a half younger than me, and a small smorgasbord of neighborhood kids. And we would, you know, they'd be behind seek, they'd be street hockey, a lot of street hockey, because it's a cul-de-sac, right? Oh, you yeah. need the cul-de-sac for street hockey. You can't I have a through cul-de-sac. Street. And you play street hockey? Nope. You missed out. Too dangerous. <laughs> no, he lives on one now. Right now. Is there street hockey going on nope. out front? But you could introduce Too dangerous. it. <laughs> You could introduce it, man. You could be like the you hero could start dad. It. Yeah, you could be the the cool dude on this. And you, hey, kids, my PVC pipe. What is the puck for street hockey? It's a it's a it's a puck that has three spherical balls in it to elevate it a little bit and give it, fr- give it some less of roll. yeah some yeah. roll off the ground. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or in a pinch, a tennis ball. <laughs> yeah. So street hockey was the thing uh, on our street, mm-hmm. and I was the goalie. I was always the goalie. Which looking back now, because all the other kids that we were playing with were older than me, like three or four years older than me. Looking back now, I was the one that was getting the bum deal. At the time, it seemed like a cool thing. Oh yeah. And I was like, yeah, I'm the. I'm the they need this. They need a goalie, man. Like they, they I'm the one stopping the the puck and everything. And then now I realized, oh, they needed someone. You were the target. I was the target. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I will say, I was a hell of a goalie, street hockey goalie. I was good. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna step back from that. I was pretty good. So okay. Anyway, you need this. You need the cul-de-sac for street hockey, right? Because otherwise, too much, too many through, too much through traffic, right, man. Right. It's just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You get to stop the game every thirty seconds. You know, playing a game. <laughs> yeah. You know? So that was the thing. We would know, run around summertime growing up. I, you know, schools just around that area. Did you have both your parents growing mm-hmm. up? Had both my folks, uh, my dad and my mom. Dad was an anesthesiologist, so mm. a sleep doctor, and he worked at the hospital, which was like. Five minutes from my house it was really close. It was funny. So, so basically, he was really good at counting backwards. Yeah, and <laughs> but <laughs> he, his he patients had that never did it. And I mean, <laughs> it had to be frustrating being an anesthesiologist. They never get down to one. You know, know. you start with ten, right? Yeah, yeah you start with ten, and so I was like, mm, I bet you there's a pool going on in the in the uh, OR operating room. Little little, little medicine lingo there. I for can y'all. take him at nine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's like that doctor's a full on nine and a half doctor. Holy yeah. shit. <laughs> <laughs> Step back from him. Yeah, there's there's the most boring show, most boring medical show ever about anesthesiologists. A bunch of guys sitting there looking at heart monitors and being like, You think we should adjust the dosage for this guy? Uh let's kick it up a little bit. All right. Yeah, he's a hefty guy. Beep. Beep. Yeah, and that's it. Let's bite his finger, see what happens. <laughs> and the funny thing about uh so the funny thing about growing up, so my, my folks are um both from China originally. So they immigrated here and in the- They the, are Chinese. They are full Chinese, yes. So the, I'm first, I, I don't know what it is. Am I first generation? They're zeroth generation. I'm first generation Chinese technically. Yes. Um, and when they went to Seattle, it's interesting. For the people who know sort of Seattle geography, uh, they were looking at places to get a house and to settle down. Um, and they looked at two places. One is Normandy Park. By virtue of the fact that nobody has ever heard of Normandy Park, even in Seattle, you know that they picked the wrong choice because the other place, which which was like really cheap and like maybe we should go here, was this place called Mercer Island. And Mercer Island uh, is in the middle of Lake Washington. And in the time since, I think the property values on Mercer Island has probably like 
quadruple quintupled because it's like literally every rich Microsoft executive is like, that's where my house will be. So it's like Bill Gates' house, Mercer Island. Oh, all really? the, yeah, all the crazy rich like people uh, in Seattle, all the tech guys came, they all came and they just like bought up all of Mercer Island. The first place to get cable internet in the United States, Mercer Island. Really? And cable internet, by the way, when it showed up, this is going to jumping all over the place, which is fine. Uh, but when it first showed up, my friend Barry lived on Mercer Island uh, and he had cable internet. And he came into school one day and he was like, guys. What year is this? This is like probably seventh grade, sixth grade for me. So So what do you mean when you first showed up? When he, cable internet, you mean? Oh, I thought when you it meant first you. Showed when up. it first showed up. Barry you, got you, it. Barry okay, got yeah. it first. You've been there. I've been the, there. We were I there dialing up 56K, DSL. DSL was huge. You kidding? 35 kilobytes down? Are got you it. kidding? <laughs> Are you kidding? He comes in, he's like, hey, man, what kind of, what, what, how fast is your internet? I'm like, DSL, man. 35 kilobytes down. I can get any real player stream I want. And he goes, dude, I got this internet. It goes through your TV and it's 500 kilobytes out. And we're like, shut up, Barry. You liar. You liar, Barry. And then, well, then the next week, one of my friends was like, dude, I was at Barry's house. He's not lying, man. It's insane. I'm like, what? Barry was great. And then he was also the guy who first saw The Matrix when it came out. And he was like, guys, guys, there's this movie you got to see. It's about, it's rated R, so you got to tell your parents to let you in. But it's like about these, it's a second world and there's like telephone lines. We're like, shut up, Barry. This sounds like the dumbest movie ever. He's like, no, I'm not kidding. Then the next week, we all go, we're like, that was amazing. How do Barry. you not? <laughs> yeah, so anyway, Barry, big influence. So he was an advanced kid, but Dude, in your mind, he was, he was like, a futurist. He was like every single week, he would have some. He was like the, and, and I think every school had this, but he was the kid that was like laser pointers, five bucks each. Mm, yeah, yeah. There, there's, you know, there's always, always the that guy. one kid. There's the yeah. guy. We had Ben Greenwood growing <laughs> up. He was the guy who. You're like, okay, this is before the internet. For us, this is before the internet. This is like when you wanted to learn something, you had to look in an encyclopedia or go yeah. to the library. Yeah. And he knew everything. And I'm like, how do you know all this stuff? Yeah. There's always a Barry. There's always a Ben. And you yes. got to have him as a friend. You have to. Oh, he was, and he was the guy that, uh, yeah. He knew his oh, dude's acoustic guitar. It's where it's at. Boom. Like he was like, yo, <laughs> get the ladies. Dave Matthews mixtape. Check it. You know, it's like, whoa, dang. Yeah, ben was the Ben Greenwood was the type of guy who we'd go over to his house and he would have this grand scheme. Let's hike out miles behind my backyard and let's dam up the creek back there. To it's, create a fishing pond. It's going to oh, take wow. a few days, but we can do it. So we would dam up the creek and wow. then we would go and catch fish from a pond and we would bring them and we would put them into the creek. And like for a couple of days, we would have a fishing pond until the dam broke. He also Whoa. smoked these things called Big George. Big George. It was just <laughs> this weed that we found out in the woods that had a big, it was just a hollow shaft. And he was like- That's like ideally suited for <laughs> he was this like, activity. We should smoke these. And but he, he didn't put anything in the shaft. <laughs> no, you just light it. We didn't, you know. When yeah, you're yeah, yeah, yeah. And no. then we're like, of course we should well, smoke yeah, this these. Seems... this is sixth, sixth grade. Right. And yeah. Uh, yeah, it was pretty, pretty we, we had a guy like that too. We, so so I, I grew up, so I went to high school. I went to, uh, you know, grade school, whatever, you know, just hung around high school. I went to this super duper uh, preppy ass rich kid high school, which was all the way on the other side of where Seattle was. So but you t- weren't you one of those too? Uh, it's not compared to some of my classmates. 
Okay. And but what were the you know I, I have and tell me if I'm wrong about this. Sure. But what the impression that I've gotten from uh, first generation Asian Americans a lot yes, of times yes. is that there are these, especially your dad being an anesthesiologist, there are these expectations. pressure. Oh yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. So, so, so did that exist in your household? So here's is really here's what it is. It's, it's I think it's kind of interesting. Uh, and my brother and I have have amongst my peers a sort of unique experience growing up, which is we had that at first and then over time our parents kind of rapidly figured out that that's not the way to do it so when i so was what like what was it like starting so what's starting out it, it was like i did piano lessons i'm a i'm wicked at <laughs> classical piano I, I will i'm that asian kid who will be like yo haydn beethoven sonatas <laughs> sitting there 12 years old i have no anxiety when i get on stage or if i'm in front of a group of people and i think that was completely pounded out of me from being like all right dude it's time to play piano you better you've been practicing four hours a day on this this uh this prelude and fugue you better nail it there's three judges here who are Bach experts, you know, and it's like, everyone's listening. Don't screw this up. Don't right. screw this up. Like that kind of performance anxiety, so to speak from an early age, I think every Asian kind of gets a little bit of that. So, so we did piano lessons and, you know, it was, and, and I think they kind of slowly, they figured it out. They're like, you know what? Cause at a certain point I was like, mom, I don't like, you know, I was in high school. I was like, mom, I don't want to play piano anymore. Like I, I, I don't want to keep practicing. I, what, what am I going to be? Am I going to be a professional piano player? Like, what, what's the end goal here? Right. Like, and she said, no, you're not going to be a professional piano player. You're not good enough, number one. <laughs> and, and then number two, she's like, well, we wanted to instill an appreciation of music. And, and she's like, one day you're going to thank me for that. And you know, she's right. You know, like having, being able to understand music from, from that level, it's one of those things where it's like, dang, I... Here's what it is. Looking back on it now, as a twenty-year, twenty-eight-year-old adult, quote unquote male, uh, uh, <laughs> quote unquote male. male. I put the quote unquote on the wrong side. Quote, <laughs> quote unquote adult male, male, <laughs> quote unquote male. Thanks for um, that. <laughs> uh, it's you don't remember sitting at the front of a piano for two hours a day in summer and being like, I want to play video games. You don't remember that at all. It's just like a wisp of memory mm-hmm. in your in the back of your head. What you do remember is the end result of that. And that is like, wow, I know I can appreciate music in a different way. And I can pick up an instrument really quickly now. And I understand this. And I understand all these sort of things from music. I forgot all the crap leading up to it. But right now, I'm in this island of memory where I don't remember that, but I have all the advantages from it. It's similar also to, I think people who like their parents put them through like uh, gymnastics or dance because it's like, I have a friend of mine who, who, who his, his parents put him through like three years of gymnastics and he's like, this is emasculating and it's just horrible, blah, blah, blah. Dude's ripped now. Dude doesn't <laughs> need to do crap. Like he's just like, hey, uh, I just want to lose some weight and just pff, ripped instantly. It's like, dang, that's like mm, gymnastics. That's perfect. So it's this the is, horse. This is becoming it's... borderline motivational. I like yeah. it. So, <laughs> so, I, so that was kind of the internal pressure, um, but, the, but it in led your up. family it slowly led up. So what about the time, externally growing externally, up? Externally, not really. You know, because it was, I, you know, I was, I was in a area that was. It was not a lot of. Um, it wasn't okay to use the Asian term. It's, it wasn't a fobby area, right? So fobby is fresh off the boat, oh. and so there are mm-hmm. areas that are like it's very fobby, quote unquote. You know, it's like oh, these guys. It's it's, it's very insular, community wise. You sort of retain a lot of the sort of cultural aspects from. You didn't really see that. Uh, there's only I can think of maybe a couple neighborhoods in Seattle. It's more 
prevalent down in Southern California, actually. You know, when you talk about like Alhambra right. or places like that, where uh-huh. it's like that, it's a little more insular. Uh, so it wasn't it wasn't like that. So we kind of were just very much Americanized very quickly. Did you, you have know? a Did you have a uh, I want to be a so and so when I grow up it, back in high school or earlier? Well, early on, the thing that I was I was convinced I was going towards was computer programming because I was like a total computer nerd, and my dad's a computer nerd too, and he would and we got like we first computer like the the Apple two C on a five inch, five and a half inch floppy disk. And I was like messing around on the, on basic on the two C and using the dual floppy disk drives and stuff. And I remember all that stuff. And, and that was kind of like the direction. I was like, I'm sure I think it's gotta be, it's gotta be video. It's, I'm sorry, not video. It's, it's gotta be programming. It's gotta right. be computer stuff. You know, and that was kind of the direction that my inclinations were going towards. And even you know, in high school, even in high school. Yeah. Cause I think you know, that's I, where you were and you were kind of walking. Yeah. 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 So, so, so I went to a high school with a really interesting group of people, and it was a very frou-frou, as I said, sort of college preppy high school. It's called Lakeside. And Lakeside's known for, most specifically known for, Bill Gates was the guy who went there, and Lakeside's where Bill Gates met Paul Allen, and they started the little computer club that started, like, literally the seat of Microsoft is there. Yeah. Um, and then I, I like to point out Adam West went to, uh, <laughs> went to Lakeside mm-hmm. and uh, Vanna White, so two sort of mavens of industry, uh, Vanna White. Yeah. It's weird. <laughs> Vanna White is from Myrtle Beach. Yeah, South Isn't Carolina. I don't know. This is the, maybe she didn't. This is something that has been in my head that everybody's <laughs> said as like famous alum. I don't know. I got to check. Well, we're not calling you. I mean, you know, I mean, you, you could, could be right. You could go to Myrtle Beach after, after Seattle or Half vice versa. Half the high schools in America try to claim Vanna White. You know, if you're going to claim somebody. <laughs> you know, Vanna White went here. Yeah. You better yeah, be yeah. the letter turner. <laughs> Vanna White went everywhere. And she's like, and by the way, can we just talk for a second about how her job has been down. She doesn't even turn those letters anymore. She just anymore. touches them. She just yeah. presses them. Some right. touch screen enabled things. Like, come on, at I least. I don't even think. It's like when I am, am gesturing to something at the computer here, I don't touch the screen because I don't like to get my fingerprints on it. I think they've even told her, we want you to look like you're touching the letters. Oh, it's all just don't backstage. Actually, oh, no, yeah, there's don't a, actually touch them. There's a guy on a computer just who's hover waiting for her to get close to it, and then he's hitting a button. Oh, my god. She gosh. doesn't even have to be there at all. That's a pretty heavy... That's pretty heavy, I gotta say. If you really think about that in terms of like looking back at your life, it's like now I just I don't even actuate these buttons. A man does that from behind the scenes. But we but yeah. we love you for it, Vanna. She's listening. Yeah, she's a big um, fan. We appreciate all that you do. <laughs> Come on, Freddie, work with us here. I, oh, sorry, sorry. We have, I didn't know that. We I, have I, famous did, fans. I didn't notice the poster behind the door on the way in. Okay, I just it's signed. <laughs> I see that now. So excuse me, sorry about that. So, so you had lake, some pressure. Lakeside, Lakeside, Lakeview, Lakeside, Lakeside. Yeah, and it's uh it's so. It has this sort of reputation, and it was like it was like it was, it was kind of a weird hardcore school when it came to academics and and all that stuff. It was very it was very notoriously difficult to get into. The kids all went who there had a reputation. I, I had the fortunate sort of thing of, of my class was a so class size about 111, 112 people. My class was all really interesting people, and it was like the kind of thing where I think like even the teachers like made a note of that. I remember when we were graduating and even visiting back now, they're like, "Yeah, your class was weird." Because I, I think I, pretty much everybody in that class was just friends with each other. Like there was no clicks. There was no like there were you know groups of people who hung out, but it wasn't just like oh yeah I don't like that guy. It's like no, it's just like oh, yeah, he's cool. Everyone was kind of just cool with each other. We just kind of did our thing. So it was at Lakeside. I started off doing computer stuff. I have actually a good story about that. I, I was working uh, in <laughs> making uh, websites internally uh, at the Lakeside School, and I made one for the Parents Association. Okay. Parents Association, kind of like the PTA. Right. And they needed an update on their website. And so I'm like, all right, okay, I'll do that. 
Uh, so February 14th rolls around. By the way, this will give you an idea of where I was socially before the movie thing happened. So I'll talk about that. We'll get to that in a second. So Valentine's uh, Day. Valentine's Day You were working around. on the high school website. Yeah. For well, the, hold the on. With a small group of people for the parents association. It's, we all have, you all have cubby holes. At this at this school, little mailbox, and there's there's a uh, what do they call them? Candy grams, uh, aka you could purchase through some student organization, a couple bucks, get a little Valentine thing, put delivered mm-hmm. to a, uh, a person of your choosing. Oh yeah, in the hole. I had one that year. I was like, oh my gosh, who is this? You received one. I received one. I saw it from across the hallways. Little thing sticking out. I was long. Last letter of the name, bottom right corner. There it is. I'm like, oh my goodness. Previous years, it seems previously that you did no, not receive it was these. no. It was. Uh, According to precedent, that this would be this is a unprecedented event okay, in, the, okay. in every definition of that word. So I go to him like, holy, <laughs> who is this? It's on. <laughs> got crush. All right, open it up. I you not, dear Freddie. Thanks for help on the website, the Parents Association. <laughs> <laughs> so your first, My Valentine first Valentine was from the parents. Was from everyone's moms, <laughs> which is what the which is how I flipped it. Around. Uh, yeah, well, that's a good. That's a good twist. It is, it's and good then spin. and so. So end of sophomore year, no, end of freshman year, the iMac came out. And the iMac was the big thing about the iMac, if you remember, was it could take mini DV and edit mini DV and iMovie. So in this little like class. It was different colors. It was different colors. Had the blue one mm-hmm. in this little class thing. And this little class thing that we had, it was like, you know, five or six people. And it was just a bunch of students just doing, helping out with the IT side of the school. So what the class was. So that's how I was doing the Parents Association website. So. The iMac came out and we had a camera and my friend Reed and I were like, well, let's just kind of mess around with this camera and just shoot something stupid. It was kind of for like a class assignment. And this was a time, and I think this is still the case, but if you do a video for a class assignment... Welcome to instant A territory, ladies oh, and gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> instant A. Like, like the teachers are so blown away by the fact that you have combined image and sound in a moving form. Right. Like it's A. a just you don't have to think, don't have to think about it. They right. have no they just context. Look at the tape. They just literally put an A on the tape. They have no context to judge it. Right. <laughs> it's impossible to give anything less than an A because oh, of just yeah. the sheer effort there. Anyway, so by the way, that's the, tr- the trick. Still works, I think, to this day. But... We did a so it was like a it was a class project for a Chinese class and it was like we shot this ridiculous little action piece movie like I'm sneaking into a thing. And Everybody wanted you to be in their group for that one, I guess. Well, no, this is this is actually just uh, on our own almost. It oh. wasn't actually it, it was kind of thing. We just I don't even remember the details of, it, but we we're just messing around, you know, and. So we we shot this little thing. I'm you know we're all over the school and it's got like it's like me sneaking around. It's got like the freaking Metal Gear Solid music in it and stuff. Like again, nerd territory, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and we decided to do just like a little. Hey, we got this done. It's five minutes long. We edit together an iMovie. Let's let's do a little thing. Let's put it out and and do a little screening in the library. The library had a little auditorium. Uh-huh. We did it at the end of the year. And I'm like, whoa. A lot of people showed up for this. Like we packed the place. Like, 250 kids just showed up to watch it. And people were like losing. They thought it was really funny and stuff. I was like. Oh, so my friend Reed and I were like, let's do a feature-length movie. He was, oh, yeah, let's he, go, let's let's go, go all the way. <laughs> yeah. So he was a junior, I was a sophomore. I'm like, let's do it. Let's do a feature-length movie. And we'll do it kind of off this original little thing. We called it the Buhau movie, which was in Chinese because it was for a Chinese class project. It means the not good movie. And what, what are you shooting on at this time? At this point, it is shooting on a... Oh, what is it? It's like a, it's, it's a mini DV or a high... Oh, no, it's a digital 8 oh, camera. Oh, yeah. Digital 8, fatty camera with wide-angle adapter bought from eBay for $35, which was a princely sum at the time <laughs> right. to, to, to drop on something like that. And so we're like, okay, let's, let's do it. 
so that was like, I shifted from doing, wanting to be a computer programmer to movies is really interesting to me. And like, and movies is actually something that I really enjoyed doing during that year. Like I really enjoyed that process that trying to get people together to, 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 do something ridiculous in front of a camera and, and trying to just get all these pieces together and putting it out and seeing people react to it. So for the rest of my high school, we were doing just, you know, little short videos and stuff. Some of which, by the way, exist on our channel uh, mm-hmm. to this day. It's just like little high school things. Like I did one where one night we were sleep over a friend's house uh, and we're like, hey, it's, it was 3 a.m. We're like, hey, let's, let's put cardboard all over your Volvo, like a sedan, and make it look like a racing car. So we put like side skirts, like, and, like a spoiler. <laughs> no, no, think like rice rocket. So like front hood scoop, Got spoiler. It. We went to his laser jet printer and printed out a bunch of fake like logo, like brand names and stuff, and like taped them on. I'm like this is ridiculous. Let's make a video out of it. And we did. We made like a quick video. We were just driving around at night. We got pulled over by the cops, and 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 the cop was like, <laughs> he came up and he was like. Well, I was going to write you a ticket because your side skirts need to be higher than the <laughs> rim of your wheels, but I mean, it's cardboard, so <laughs> he was just like, uh, what are you guys, so can I ask you what you're doing at three in the morning driving this thing around? And my buddy, smooth talker, was like, well, you know, we were doing this for a school uh, project and we figured if we drove it around during the day, it would be a little more distracting Oh, to the drivers. old school project excuse. Yeah. And the guy was just like... All right. You can ride that school project thing a long ways until you get gray hair. Oh, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Can, you can oh, pull that sm- card. I still have my student ID in my car. Are you kidding? I go to the movie theater. I'm like, um, I can I get the student discount? I'm a graduate student. Because as far as I'm concerned, that's like, that's like, come on, man. Like, you got to get your tuition back somehow, right? Like, right. like one $3 discount at a time, one half, one small popcorn with every <laughs> small drink purchase at a time. We're getting that student discount back. So, okay. So you're, you're, you're in high school. You make this discovery that you, you, you like filmmaking. Yeah. 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 And then you begin to put together a, the idea that maybe this is something bigger than a hobby. Yeah, absolutely. And, and at the time it was like doing little short videos and stuff. And you know, the funny thing is I always think what I think about a lot is the idea of timing, you know, and, and I was reading, you know, like Gladwell even talks about this, you know, where, where he, where he's like Bill Gates and Paul Allen and Steve Jobs and, and, and Bill, Bill Pope and like all these like computer pioneers, they're all like within two years of each other in terms of age, because when the technology hit, they were the right age to take advantage of it, to not be too entrenched in a career otherwise, and not be too young mm-hmm. to be late to the party. Like they're just the right age. And I think about that a lot with like YouTube because what we were doing that's just sort of messing around, you know, doing these little assembly videos. Like I would, I would, I would do little videos for like the soccer team or the, uh, the rowing team or something. It'd be a little fun. Like literally what I end up doing, which is like short kind of visual effectsy two minute videos we play in an assembly. And that was the only avenue we had. We put out an assembly and that'd be it. Mm-hmm. And I think about now where it's like you have YouTube and it's like these kids, you see kids who are like rock stars in their schools. Like uh, these guys play video games and they got a Call of Duty commentator and I'm buying the Mercedes with this and I make more money than my parents and here's me with girls. It's like, what? What? No, what? That's not, come on, come on. Right. So I think about that and I'm like, and I think about now, sort of my time, you know, and timing in terms of where I am right now, it's like, is it, it feels very much like this is, the t- just right in terms of timing, you know, just the right time for it. We're at where there was video and there was a thing and I got familiar with it. And it, it was, it was 
the idea of it was there. And if YouTube was around in high school, you know, maybe that was even would have been a better sort of time for us. So it feels like maybe a little late to it, but mm-hmm. I was kind of doing something similar in high school and I didn't even realize it. And until later, until looking back, be like, wow, I was just doing that. I was doing a lot of what a lot of these high school kids got into and have gotten into YouTube from back in high school. But I was, there was nothing to put it. There's nowhere to put no it. No outlet. No outlet for it. And how'd your parents respond to that? And so this is, this is where I think I have, to, I have to give a lot of credit to my parents, where they're like, cool, if you want to do this, go for it. And that was it. And there's no, you know, and I think it was the kind of thing where like my dad reads a lot of Business Week and, and Wall Street Journal. He does a lot of thinking, having come from communist China to adopt a new home here in the U.S., he thinks a lot about like, where is the U.S. going and what is this place that I'm in and how, you know, and, and obviously, you know, he has, he's very strong sort of political beliefs, but his, but his thing has always been, look, America's not, there's, what do we have that we're doing? Like with the, what, car manufacturers? What? India and China are going to do that. Physical manufacturer, India and China. Mm-hmm. Programming? And he, he, I think recognized kind of, he recognized at the end of my high school, he was like, look, I think you're getting into the right field. Because the only thing America is going to have is cultural exports. That's mm-hmm. the only thing we have. Our, you have the music industry. You have Hollywood. That's it. Like, what else is there that we do that some other country is not hungrier for and can do it cheaper than us? And will do it cheaper than us? Mm-hmm. It's like, there's nothing. Like, that, that's it. Like, Hollywood movies still have that stamp around the world. Music still has that stamp. It's, it's, it's export. Our chief export is cultural products. So he's like, I think you're actually getting into a field where, because he was like, if you were doing the programming, he called this like literally five years before this happened. He's like, if you get into programming, you're going to have a hard time getting a job because look at India, look at China. All these kids are growing up and they're going to be better programmers. They're going to do it cheaper and they're just going to be willing to, and they're going to work harder for it than you because you, you're in this environment where you have so many, thing, so many things handed to you and it's a nice environment compared to China or India. Mm-hmm. So well, that's a little so you, different than the conversation that I had with, with my dad <laughs> because our, our story is pretty similar in that we yeah, were. And well, and the conversation with your dad, I'll let you tell it, but it, it was a hinge point for both of our lives because for me it was, well, we, we both talked about going to film school and it basically came down to what Rhett's dad thought because I knew that my <laughs> mom would just say, okay, whatever, whatever you want to do, <laughs> but Rhett's well, dad, had, we had to get buy-in. We were shooting on, just to give you a little, this is a little bit of the uh, the indicator of the difference in our age. Sure, sure. We were shooting on a VHS-C. Oh, yeah, camera. yeah, yeah. So, and, <laughs> and just, for, just for reference, VHS-C, high eight, digital eight. That's sort of the, that was the timeline. Right. right. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, we were shooting on that. We had uh, begun to shoot a feature-length film. Uh, uh, in high school. Gutless yeah. Wonders, which we've read the script on Good Mythical Morning last season. <laughs> but... Um, so we had these aspirations. I'm sure that what we were creating was not as impressive as what you were creating at the time. Uh, but, but it we, was difficult. You had to edit on two VCRs. Two VCRs, yeah, yeah, right. Two no, VCRs. no iMac here. Well, see, that's what I'm saying. Again, that's timing, right? Like, right, like, if yes. it wasn't for that, because I remember, I remember, like, early on, my dad got, like, this thing called the Matrox 1000. I believe it was the Matrox 1000, which was the first Mac card that could do 640 by 360 or 640 oh, yeah. by 480 uh, DV, not DV, sorry, High 8 capture off of S video. Right. That was the there, big there, deal. There was no digital stuff no, happening with us. absolutely not. But when, we, when I told my dad, I was like, Link and I have decided that we want to go to film school. Yeah. And he was like, well, that's great. I'm not going to pay for it. <laughs> uh, he says, "But if you want, if you want to do something where you'll actually get a job, then then I'll uh, I'll pay for it." So that's why we both have engineering degrees. So oh, you're, you're good at math. 
Yeah, yeah. That's what our counselor in high school said. It, it you're good at math out. and you're good at yeah, science. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You it should be an engineer. Out. It all worked out in yeah. the end. And I do think what, you, what you're saying with timing is plays such a huge role in it because by the time we had, we're, Link and I are kind of slow developers in a lot of ways, but I think we've kind of discovered. <laughs> late bloomers. <laughs> we're late bloomers. <laughs> but uh, by the time we got to Speak a place where what we were making could work in the YouTube space, that was I when we were hair. ready for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had hair on parts of my body you didn't even know about when we were young, man. Well, I'm glad I didn't know about it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'm, I'm glad you didn't know either. So anyway, so, so, summer afternoon. So, you're, so you're grateful. You're you're grateful to for uh, to your dad for having that foresight and that oh, perspective. For, yeah, for my for both my parents, you know. And I think, I think that yeah, for the sort of Asian thing, if we want to get sort of racial and kind of pontificate on that for a little bit, it's kind of an interesting place that we operate in society you know we are in terms of like the minorities we're not high up on the list you know comparatively to like uh hispanics african-americans are statistically you know, just percentage-wise higher uh, uh-huh. part of uh the country but there's this sort of weird thing that we do and the thing that we do is we keep our heads down and we just kind of do our and we don't bother other people and we kind of just do it and that's kind of like this attitude that I see a lot in terms of, you know, it's, it's doctors, lawyers, and it's like, hey, just keep your head down, get good grades, get the job, you know, family, just provide for it. And it's very non-intrusive. It's not like, it's only relatively recently you ever hear about like, oh, Asian American protest about something. And it's like, and who are, it's usually, you know, it's the Berkeley kids, almost always is Berkeley kids. Like, you know, like, but it's that's just like, it's not a thing. You just never hear about that sort of side of it. We've just sort of kept out of it, uh-huh. you know, and I think it's interesting and I think it has, it's repercussed in kind of interesting ways in American society in terms of what that role is, you know, we can go forever on this, it's a whole separate podcast, but anyway, the point <laughs> is, it's really, it's, to me, it's really interesting because it's, because it, it, I think the family structure encourages Asians to kind of like stay out of the spotlight, you know? And I think for a number of historical reasons, for a lot of reasons that make sense, but I think that's just sort of the way that it's, it's been, you know? So, so when I say like, Hey, I want to make movies, it's very much like, boom, I want to get into entertainment. I want to do this. And you know, at the time I had no idea about you. I had no idea that this was kind of what is how it would end up, but it's a very big difference between doing that and wanting to just be like, Hey, uh, I can play piano and I'd like to be a doctor, please. You know? Uh So that was, so that was, so I went to USC. I went to, uh, went to, um, University of Southern California because supposedly it was the better film school. And, you know, um, that was that. And so th- I went there. I met a lot of the people I work with today there and just have been sort of working on that stuff ever since from that point. And you met, that's where you met Brandon. Yep. Met Brandon there. Is he your roommate? Uh, he and I lived on the same floor. Uh, I met Brandon there. Uh, our floor is an interesting floor. So I met Brandon there. I met Brian Forenzi there, who was the creator of five second uh-huh. uh, met, um, yeah, everyone. I, Matt Arnold, who co-creator of Video High School with me and co-writer Des Dolly, also is a co-founder of Rocket Jump with me. He and I were all three of those guys. We were all in the same practical special effects class. Like the first thing he took, everyone took was like a practical VFX class. And we were all in that same class. And then only, by the way, only like until like, re, like later was like, oh crap, we were all in that same class, even though we were all like kind of paired up in separate groups, but we kind of knew each other. And it was just like, um, yeah, I guess what you get in film school is you get a, a group of people you're forced to work with. 
And that's nice for some people who aren't like, you know, total social butterflies who don't know how to necessarily work a room and, and, and network around and get a whole bunch of contacts. It's like, no, it's nice to be able to be in an environment which there are no stakes because you're supposedly learning things and you get to mess around and you have a bunch of people now upon graduation that you can collaborate with, you know. And you, and you essentially are living proof that, you know, um, that deciding to put your stuff out there for an audience is a vi- that's a strategy that works. It works for you. Yeah, um, yeah. And so, so how did that, how did that transition take place? Okay. So, so after graduation, you know, uh, the first gig I got was doing freelance editing at this horrible, horrible startup. I have no problem saying that. The boss was crazy. Dude was a crazy, he was a yeller and everyone was kind of scared of him and they made inspirational short films. And this is by the kind way, of ironic. Yeah, I know, right? And here's their model, by the way, and this is insane. To you me. will make this inspirational <laughs> film. Hey, oh uh, yeah, not not too far removed from the reality. But here was the here was the model that they did. It was like a, it was the things that they were trying. They're like, all right, this film is free for you to watch, but you send it to a friend. They have to pay a dollar. <laughs> it's like what? It's like what? Where? It's like because. They're, since they're your friend, they're more likely to pay. And you're like, what? <laughs> uh, so I, I literally left that after like 30 days. I was like, I'm done. <laughs> Forget this place. Um, and, hey, where are you going? Yeah. <laughs> We're making inspirational films. You got to charge your friends to, <laughs> to watch it. You crazy. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And then I, I worked at 20th Century Fox in the video, licensed video game division, which is to say the, the, the crappy video game division because licensed games are all horrible. And so how long were you there? How did that work I was out? there for about a year. And right when the housing crisis happened was when I quit because I heard word from Brandon that a couple of his friends from Minnesota were up in Vancouver and they had linked up with this sales agent who was giving them money to do a feature film for direct-to-DVD, direct-to-TV called Dark Island. At the time, it was called Infected, but then they had to change it because there was a book series called Infected and the author threatened to sue them. Uh, And it was about basically a creature feature featuring the smoke monster from Lost, more or less. That mm-hmm. sort of like okay. that sort of thing. Because they had this plugin called Fume Effects that could do smoke, CG smoke. And it was like, this is it, man. We could do a smoke monster. So they did a smoke monster. So they took like, I think it was 40,000 uh, to go shoot a feature film up in the up in Vancouver. And they were finished with it. They're coming to LA and they were looking for a place to stay, which was eventually where, where those loft, the loft that you see was where they stayed uh, and they have stayed since. And they were looking for people to help out. And I was like, all right, I want to do movie stuff anyway. This is what I want to do. And I'm not doing it right now, doing this video game thing. Although I learned quite a bit from that in terms of just how the entertainment industry and these companies work. It was, uh, okay, I'll, hey guys, what do you want me to do? I can do music. I can do sound effects. I'll do sound design. Whatever you guys need, I'll sit down and do it. So that's how I met them. I remember walking in to this loft and everyone's sitting at computers, pounding away. It's cold because there's no, there's no heat here at all. And I was like, hey, uh, I'm, I want to quit my job and I'll help you guys doing this. And they're like, all right, you have a keyboard? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, all right. You got a keyboard? You, yeah, okay. keyboard for, for MIDI, for got making it. the music. Got it. And sound design. I was hopped up on my USC sound design classes. I knew how to use Pro Tools. I knew how to do sound design. And that was it. And, I, and that's how I linked up with uh, Sam and Nico, Core Digital. Um, and we made, we sat there for about like eight months, post doing post through this movie. And well, everybody will be the first to admit, like, yeah, it's not that good of a movie. But it was a good learning experience. It was really interesting. It Dark was Island? Dark Island, yeah. You can torrent it too if you really want to see it. Um, so 2010 rolls around. And I, uh, my friend David and I, he was like, hey, there's this contest to go to Vancouver. 
you want you want to go join this and 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 like see if we can like get on this contest. It's for the for the Olympics for the Winter Olympics that Samsung's putting on. So we do it and we get picked as one of the uh, teams. Um, again, drawing upon my history of doing little short crappy internet videos or and little short videos in high school. It's like okay, yeah, okay. So we get onto this thing and there I met Daystorm. Daystorm was one of the other guys on it, and. I was like, he was like, I'm a YouTube partner. And I'm like, what's that mean? He's like, well, yeah, I make money doing this. And I was just like, what? How? How many views do you need? How many people do you have subscribed to you? How long does it take before you get paid? How much money can you make in a month? I just dri- I just <laughs> went and just info dumped. And he's just like, yeah, no problem. He just told me everything that he knew. Yeah, so they just say another day, another challenge. And <laughs> it just kind of, the money rolls in. Yeah. It, it, and it was like, it was crazy because he was like telling stories about like, just, oh yeah, this guy does it like this. And I'm like, holy crap. So I remember calling Brandon from, Vancouver and being like, Hey, I think we can, we should do this YouTube channel thing, man. Like I met this guy Daystorm and he's like, he, he makes a living off of it. And at the time I had the option of directing a direct to DVD movie or doing something else. And I remember, I remember in October, so it was sort of two things happened. October, 2009, I got flown out to Finland for Guitar Hero. Cause if, um, if people don't know, I was like really good at Guitar Hero for a while. And I was going, I got flown around to play Guitar Hero. It yeah, saying you're really life. good, and then you got flown around. <laughs> well, you were the world champion. I was for a bit, according to the World Series of Video Games. And now people, the Guitar Hero purists will argue that my technical ability is insufficient compared to a couple of other guys, which I will not bemoan them that fact. However, I don't think anybody was... I, m- I made the point of playing it ridiculously, like air guitar style, like you know windmills and, and duck walks and showmanship. Right, because I'm like, this, this has got to be entertaining because I'm getting style bored. Style points. Style points. So my style points were off the off the charts, man. We, we, we have to go back a little bit here because I, I'm fascinated by this aspect oh, of yeah, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, And so, you were in 2009. 2000, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. So 2007, how did that start? How 2007, did, World Series of Video Games. Guitar Hero came out. And Thanksgiving, I remember buying it because I was reading on the forum, some forum, they're like, yeah, this game's really cool. And I bought it, PS2. And I was like, Easy, eh, it's too easy. And I was like, eh, let me try Expert. And I just played through the whole game on Expert, which didn't seem weird to me at the time. But apparently, it's a hard game. That, Pretty unusual. Again, this is weird. This is like, so everyone's like, how much time do you practice? I'm like, I just kind of, the piano maybe, and I play a little guitar anyways. I don't know. I just don't really, I just get it. I don't know. I don't really practice that much. So 2000, so 2006, 2007, there's like, there was a oneup.com contest for like a video contest for the Guitar Hero 2. So that was the original Guitar Hero YYZ, YYZ video on our channel, which was something we did for that contest, Brandon and I. And that was me playing through YYZ and just being ridiculous with it. And that was that. And then it was like, so the World Series of Video Games starts and they're going to play in Guitar Hero 2. And it's in, it's in Dallas, Texas. And I'm in Seattle and it's summer. And my friends are like, you got to go to this, dude. You got to, you could win this. I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, what are you talking about? Like, dude, go. I'm like, it's kind of expensive. And one of my friends is like, how much is it? I'll pay you to go. We'll pull it together. You pay me back if you win plus 15%, but I'll straight up stake you in this <laughs> tournament, dude. So I'm like, all right, I'll do it. So I, <laughs> that was an interesting, that was a weird dinner conversation. I'm like, mom, dad, uh, this weekend I was um, thinking of flying to Dallas to compete in a video game competition for uh, right for guitar hero yeah the one that yeah mm-hmm. and my dad's like could you win this are you any good at this game i'm like i think i can win it <laughs> so he's like all right go for it oh my so goodness. i went i think i can win this dad yeah. the, the strings came in and the in the score and- it was much more like i don't give a <laughs> what you're talking about like it's it was so much more like what where this weekend 
Okay, fine, whatever. Are you who's paying for your friends? Your friends are paying for you. Fifteen percent. Okay, you uh, can whatever, do it. fine. So I went down. I went in one of the like. I wasn't one of the tournament rounds. I was like one of the open rounds. They picked people from the open rounds. I played um, a heart crazy on you, and I like, took off my sandal and like strummed. They just went crazy with it, and everyone's like, oh, this, "Okay, you all went right, crazy on it." I went crazy on it, man. <laughs> of course. And and then I won that tournament that weekend. So you were a walk on. I was a walk on, and came, you won yeah. the tournament playing yeah. in playing Dallas. What? Do you remember? It was uh, "Let's Talk More Rock," the freeze pop song. Of course. Yeah. Uh, and so this is Dallas. This is the World Series of Video Games in Dallas, and. I, I I could I I use that as be like I was a world champion because they called it the World Series of Video Games and there wasn't really any that Guitar Hero uh, things going on at the time and that was it you know, so but then the World Series of Video Games before they got to L A we had this plan out for L A that I'm so bummed it never happened because one of the tours one of the stops on this sort of World Series tour was going to be L A the L A leg of the tournament and it was going to be and I was like I'm going to play Freebird and then like Brandon was going to like lower like these like wings onto my back during the solo <laughs> with like a fog machine and everything just like ridiculous like we had this re- ridiculous thing planned out for the for the show but then they lost all their funding and they canceled the world series of oh, games. Oh. Yeah. So, so you got to recreate that i know right but that's you said that was your first youtube video that was uh that was the first youtube video that was like um yeah that was actually it was uh before that no there was one other before that which was aces which is brandon and myself and just screwing around in one of the uh practice uh in the in the in the common room at, at usc and then, but then the whole daystorm conversation where it was clicking that you might could make a living doing this was after that. After that, yeah. Okay. A couple of years after that, right. in fact. So, mm-hmm. so, so we go and, and we come back and, and like, if you look at the timestamps on the videos that we did that first week, we were doing like, we were just going crazy. We were just trying everything. Twilight trailer parody, green screen me in there, boom, do it. Final Fantasy 13 is coming out. Let's make a funny video about that. Boom, do it. Portal Gun, we've been wanting to do a Portal Gun video for a while. What's well, stopping is, us? Let's do it. This is so you could then make the case to join the partner program. That you were like, yes. you were making the case. You were yeah, yeah, yeah. putting all the material. Yeah, 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 exactly. This was before you could just get in. Okay. Now, luckily, at the time, prior to that, because of Guitar Hero, I had a contact within Google, within Google YouTube, because I was, I went to YouTube Live. If you, do you remember? Yeah, we were there. We were yeah, there. that's San right. San Francisco. That's right. YouTube Live, San Francisco. You remember big. we were there? I don't remember you were there. I remember. I was like, you probably don't remember. I'm trying to. Rem- I remember a couple people there, and I won't name their names because they were total dicks to me. And then they totally have are no longer dicks to me now because of how the tides have turned. But <laughs> oh. but it was interesting because I was a nobody. I was like a fucking. I was like I was a kid who Activision brought on to intro Joe Satry motherfucking Ani to play guitar. I right? remember oh, you. Oh yeah. So I was the dude in the little corner of the weird set playing the first bits of Joe Satriani's song, butchering his song through a video game, and then they threw it down to him and we the were guitar. There. Kid. We were in the crowd. We remember. That's right. I do remember. That was so. So I had a contact from YouTube there. Yeah. So then I emailed that person when I was starting to go with him. Hey, this partner program thing. How does that work? Uh, here's a bunch of videos. And they're like, Oh, oh yeah, sure, go for it. Approved. Uh, you know. So we actually got approved in real quick compared to some people who put a lot of time and it's like just get disapproved, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, YouTube Live, what a weird... And I, and I drove back to the airport with uh, some of the LXD folks and it was like, with the kid, the kid, remember the breakdancing kid? Yes. He was in my car on back to the airport. I'm like, what's up, dude? So, uh, now this was... You're really good at dancing. <laughs> <laughs> just to give just some perspective for people, YouTube Live, this was 2009? 2008. Yes. It, was yes, the first, it was the first YouTube organized event basically ever. There have been gatherings that other people had set up, but this was in San Francisco. And I remember it incredibly so because here's, by the way, here's my nerd background coming back into me. 
I remember it specifically because it was the first event that the flip HD or the flip camera was introduced at. They were yeah. trying to give them they out. Gave they everybody gave everybody a out. flip, a yeah. YouTube themed flip. They yeah. did not give us a flip, but we, per- <laughs> we, so we were not to that level, but we performed on the outside stage. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were, I was, and we I remember sitting next performers. to, um, ukul- a girl who plays ukulele, probably Julia. Mm, yeah, yeah. It was Julian Ains. Yeah. Yeah. It was a strange thing at that time. And I also had a, incredibly insightful conversation. By the way, one of the most interesting conversations I've ever had with Katy Perry's guitarist. Right, because Katy Perry played. Because she performed, right. Well, about what does it mean to play guitar and be technically proficient at guitar, but play the easiest things of all time. And what was crazy is he, he went into this big, long sort of philosophical, like just discussion about, it's like, you know, like, as I've trained for this many years and it's weird because I'm getting famous for this, but it's not the kind of music I would like, but at the same time, I can't say a thing about it. I'm making such an incredible living off of it. So what, what, what ended up, he said, he was like, well, you know, what it is is I've turned my sort of creative energies towards the recording process and that side of it because I, I'm not getting creatively, quote, unquote, creatively fulfilled from just playing guitar. You know, this is just major minor chords and bar chords. It's like, it's not difficult at all. Anybody could do this. And then he went on this whole thing about like, what does it mean, you know, if, 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 what does it mean to be a guitarist if almost anybody who has picked up a guitar could do this job? There's almost no barrier. Like, it's not like you're some crazy good, you know, you're not, you're not freaking, you know, Zach Wilde just laying it down. It's like, no, you're- Or you, Satriani. Or Satriani, right. He was, but it was really interesting to hear this guy who's like in this sort of point in his music career dealing with all these issues. I was like, this is the most interesting conversation I think I've had in years. So how does that apply to um, where your YouTube channel went? It I I it I don't know if it does. Did you but it sell really your soul for virality? No, here. By the way, I will say this is I I one of the early on we met with uh, Ray Raylan Johnson, mm-hmm. and he said something that is I think the most interesting thing that a YouTube person has said to me about this whole ridiculous thing, mm-hmm. whatever this is. And he said, at some point, you'll have a choice, and your choice will be to give the audience your audience what they want to see. Or to let, or to do what you want to do, mm-hmm. and you have to make that choice, and you have to be conscious about it. And it was, it was really interesting because I think about that like every day. I'm like this, and and it's it's so true because at a certain point, what you're doing builds a momentum and an inertia and a size, mm-hmm. and you either address it and you roll into that snowball and you give yourself to your to the people like that, or you stay away from it and you continue doing what you want to do. Whatever that is, so it's did, really interesting. So yeah. how how does that apply to to what you and Brandon were doing on the channel? That obviously things started to snowball. Yeah, yeah. So we started. Were... So we started. You know, early on we had a lot of blog attention because at the time, and this is something I learned. And again, this is like every single thing that you do sort of like always informs the next step, even as weird as it is. So one thing I knew from working at Fox doing video game stuff is that video game news is very sparse. Nothing comes out. Game blogs are just always just hurting for information because when the game starts, nothing to talk about until the first screenshots come out, then nothing to talk about until the alpha, beta, and then when it comes out. And that's that's three years, right? So like for a game that gets announced, whoa, I want to see this game. You're not going to see anything from that game until a year and a half from now. And then a year and a half from now, you might see a little bit, then another year before you see anything else. And so it's quiet around games mm-hmm. all the time. So there's there's so much stuff that there isn't that isn't out there. And so early on we're like, you know, we weren't doing 
game videos, like specifically, but they were game themed and they had that sort of, you know, they were informed by our experiences playing games, you know, and it was, it, we would draw upon a whole bunch of different games to do stuff. So it wouldn't just be Counter Strike or, or, or Call of Duty, it would be all of the first person shooters we ever played would kind of fill into it, you know? Uh-huh. So, we started getting a lot of attention from game blocks because these guys are hurting for content. They have no con. They, they come in every day and they're like, well, what can we say about all these games? Well, nothing's coming out. Well, uh, Hey, here's a video that's kind of game themed. All right, we can do that. So early on, like that was a lot of our attention. A lot of our, our traffic was coming from outside of YouTube, you know? And I, I remember a lot of the conventional wisdom around YouTube at the time was people were saying like, Hey, if you, uh, it's, it's YouTube's mostly girls, man, all girls, me, I'm 70, 30 female female, 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 everyone say that. And we're like, really? Because I bet you it's more like 50-50 because it's a giant site. Why would it be so skewed towards women? And like, Mm -hmm. no, man, all the people who subscribe, girls. And so I think, you know, we found a new sort of, we began to find a new audience that, and that has continued even, I think to this day with the, with the prevalence of sort of, you know, PewDiePie and these gaming channels, we found a more male audience and we started, and when we were saying people like our, our demographics are like 90, 10 male, female. And people were like, no, 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 no way. No way. Like nobody could believe it. Like what? Really? And I always thought it was funny because getting into YouTube was I always felt like because we went to some of these YouTube parties early on back when people were sort of more closely knit and had parties to throw and they'd go over someone's house. And I was like, Brandon, this feels like high school again. <laughs> it feels like high school, but the difference is every single person in this room has a number above their head and that number is how popular they are mm, yeah. and whether or not they're more popular than you. And that dictates how you treat them. How weird is this? It was It was weird and unsettling because... I think there's a sort of weird, there was a sort of weird attitude towards whatever this thing is that we do, where it's like, holy, holy, I can't believe we're doing this. I can't believe I'm making money off of doing this. This could disappear at any time. I better hang on to it while I can. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's a remarkably short sighted way of looking at things. You know, it's like, that's not, that's not, I don't think that's necessarily the case. It's like, you have to understand, you know, in a larger context, I don't think that that makes sense. So, so early on, like we were, we were, you know, uh, getting some, you know, blog attention slowly and surely. And I remember specifically, uh, Phil, one of the first big boosts came from uh, Phil DeFranco mm-hmm. when he um, posted about or you know pushed his people towards a video that we did um, uh, called Chrono Trigger, which was one of the first action videos that we did. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was a gunplay video, VFX slow mo, and he pushed people to that. And a lot of people, you know, talking to them, that's where they sort of was the first entry point. And that first year was a very sort of fruitful year. We did a, shortly after that, we did a video called Flower Warfare. And that was like pretty much any girl I talked to is the video that they know from ours because it has flowers. I remember that one. Yeah, that, <laughs> yes, that, was, that a, was my favorite. <laughs> yes. So that, you know, so early a girl on. shooting flowers out of that a gun. That was our entry point. The flower yeah. video. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's, uh, to me, it's always interesting where people got in, got, get, get in on it. And then that the first VidCon happened. And even at the, at, at the time the first VidCon happened, we had a breakout panel, which was just talking about visual effects. And it was like maybe half full. Like a side room, half full thing. We were nobodies still at that time. You know, I remember, and I remember specifically. I'm like, where, where are we in this spectrum of things? When they were interviewing Phil on stage at VidCon for the first one, and he mentioned our channel, and it was like, oh, it was like three people in the back. I'm like, okay, all right, we know, we know where we stand. We know where we stand. It's interesting though, and it it always shifts, which is always you know kind of interesting. But the focus for us has always been, at least for you know. it's, it's been filmmaking. You know, I went to film school. I, I was doing movies in high school. It's just, it's filmmaking. It's storytelling. It's visual storytelling. What's fascinating about YouTube is that it's not everybody on here is, has that same focus or has that same goal, you know, and, and, and the, the ecosystem supports it just fine. But that doesn't mean that somebody on here is necessarily 
someone who's trying to do narrative storytelling. You know, they may be trying to do something else and they may find success in doing that. But, you know, I don't look at PewDiePie and say, this is a guy who wants to make films. I see this is a guy who understands gaming videos and does this really well. And I see vlogging no different than the skill. Uh, To me, vlogging is the modern equivalent of the talk radio DJ who can sit in front of a microphone and just talk for an hour and a half and entertain you through it. Like that's Howard Stern. That's, you know, like that ability is no different than the ability to take a camera and point at yourself and make a story out of your day-to-day life. You know, whatever that is. I see a lot of similarities in that and that it's a single person point source broadcast against that sort of thing. And there's these analogs to sort of older media, but here's the difference. And here's what we struggle with every day. uh, You know, so at at Rocket Jump, the company that, that I have now, it's that while all these skill sets are diverse and all these things are different, they are treated the same by every by the by regular sort of like the lay person. It's the same thing. Oh, you make YouTube videos. That's not true though. I make YouTube videos, but my my stuff is is different than gaming stuff. It would be like putting Howard Stern, Tom Cruise, and uh, you know uh, the, the the Weinstein brothers in a room, and they'd be like, and, and Katy Perry, and be like you guys uh, are just you guys are media creators. That's it. It's like well. Everybody's different here. You know, mm-hmm. they do different things. Right. But there's no delineation in terms of the understanding of that. So when you go to people and you talk and you say, what do you do? It's like, oh, I make YouTube videos. In their head, they're like, well, so you make like, cat videos and yeah. like, Kimmel kind of? And what? What does that necessarily mean? And, well, and you've obviously, I mean, with Video Game High School, the, you've obviously uh, moved way beyond what you were doing with the, with the short yeah, action yeah. videos, which got an audience, and now you've taken that, you translated yeah. that audience into a narrative story. So, Is it, that the point that Ray was talking about with you, where you're going to do, make that choice? Is that the choice? I think so. I think it is. I think it is. And for, for myself, I, 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 and I can verify this with, uh, I, I do not like the idea of like, oh, you're such a puppet master, you knew what you're doing from the beginning. It's like, mm, we had an idea. We had goals that we had set. But I remember very distinctly in Finland, when I got flown out in Finland in 2008, 2009 for a Guitar Hero, drunkenly calling a friend of mine who's a producer and being like, I don't think we should do this direct-to-DVD movie. I think I need to do something online. And I think that you need to grow an audience online first and then make something for that audience later. But the first part is you need an audience to do it because it's the same idea in my head. I was like, it's the same thing as like if a tree falls in the forest and nobody's around to see how rad it was that you chopped down this freaking tree, then nobody's going to know that you chopped this freaking awesome tree down, and it also doesn't make a sound. So <laughs> you need to get a bunch of people around you for your woodworking skills first, and then you can chop down trees. This is kind of like the mentality. <laughs> yeah, That's like how you analogy. talk when you've been drinking. <laughs> I get very intense. I get very intense uh, and sleepy. Uh, it goes intense. It's, it's a it's weird, like, it's, weird mix. It's a, cl- it's a cliff. It's like intense, intense. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what? Hmm? All right, so you got you got to bring us back to the <laughs> yeah, hook, hook and ladder f- uh, fire truck. You know, as okay, we land so, the plane, okay, we got to do it go. with a here fire truck. Here we go. So in so anyway, so YouTube, we got it going on that, and that was that. And so, you know, lived with San Nico for a while. Uh, then Brand and I moved over to uh, the different part of the same building. Then you know, we are living in different parts of the city now. Anyway, it's Brandon's birthday, and we have always talked about these hook and ladder trucks. I'm like, the, the guy in the back steers, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, he could just swing that back out all the way, right? And the front wouldn't see it. Like, yeah, he's completely independent. It's not locked in at all. I'm like, okay, theoretically, you should be able, if the guy in the back swings the back out, okay, you're in a bad situation, but then he quickly adjusts his wheels parallel to the road and the guy in the front 
quickly adjusts his wheels parallel to the road. So now all the wheels are facing the same direction. You can make it look like this fire truck's drifting <laughs> and it could go nonstop. Like you could drift four lanes across the road. And we're like, yeah, but I don't know. So we've always talked about that. Sam, you come brand that. We always theorize it. We're like, how would you do it? Well, you have to coordinate it. It'd be a timing thing. The guy would have to turn right really hard. We had the whole thing planned out. But they are wearing comms. And they are wearing comms too. So we had this like just idea for a while. And then one day, the day before Brandon's birthday, we smell smoke. And I'm like, what the f***? And, and it's coming from our neighbor's place. And we pound the door, nothing. Call, we try, and to be fair, we try everything. We try to call the landlord. Landlord tries to call their cell phone, nothing, nothing. It smells like smoke. Fire alarms are going off in their side of the thing. And we're like, should we call the fire department? Probably. Probably. Yeah, we should call the fire department. So we that's call what, the fire that's department. That's what they're for. Yeah, exactly, right? And we're like, well, and we're like, well let's, let's, let's quick do a cost benefit. Uh, if we don't call the fire department, it could be nothing or the whole building could burn down. <laughs> so yeah, like, let's call the fire department. So call the fire department. There's a fire department right nearby. They're like there in like a minute flat. They roll in and they but they straight up axed that door down. And it took them a while too. So we're like, if anyone ever is going to break in, it's going to take them at least a minute of hard axe throwing in order to get this door down. <laughs> Turns out the neighbors like left a hard boiled egg boiling and then the water boiled away and it caused... A little mini uh, fire there, and that was it. N- nothing real dangerous. The old egg nothing. fire. The old egg fire. Yeah, everyone's yeah. everyone's had one of those. Yeah, not a big deal. So these firefighters, we had. So from earlier that year at E3, we stole a bunch of um, NOS energy drink from these NOS energy guys because they were like going. They're they're cleaning up their booth, and they had just cases and cases. So I filled up my uh, my station wagon with. I think 200 cases of NOS. So it was like it was like a stack that was taller than you. And and it was just nonstop NOS for a while. So we were giving them to the firefighter. Like, yo, hey, how's it going? You guys want some energy? And the guy's like, oh, all right, awesome. And we're like, so we have this theory. <laughs> Come here. We have this theory. We start drawing it out. We're like, if you swing the back end out and do this, and you could drift the fire truck. And the guy was like, yeah, I guess you could. Huh? <laughs> And then we're like, okay, all right, sweet. And like they left. And then as they were leaving, we're standing in the middle of the road. It's sunset. It's LA, blazing red and orange, and this fire truck leaving the scene. We see the back end swing out. No. And we see the wheels correct. And the fire truck <laughs> drifts down our road. And we lose our minds. We're like, it worked. It's it's true. It worked. And we were jumping up and down and like high-fiving. It was the greatest day. Of my life. That is unbelievable. Wow. And it was all made even that much more vivid because you're all hyped up on energy drinks. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, every pupil completely dilated. You can't even see straight. And it's just like they did it. They drifted the fire truck. Well, on that note, you <laughs> should sign the table. Thank you for joining yes, us here. Absolutely. On Ear Biscuits. All right. So let me see here. Uh, let's see. Right here. I will, you know, here's what I'll do I will draw the diagram that we were using to illustrate how a drifting fire truck could conceivably work. Can you give some sound design to the drawing? <laughs> Here, boom. All right. Thanks, Freddie. Boom. Thanks very much, guys. Thanks for having me on. And there you have it, our conversation with Freddie W. I'm going to be thinking about that fire truck thing for quite a bit of time. I Yeah, I, I have thought about that. I've thought about how you could do whole circles while going in the same direction. Well, I thought what he was going to say is that if the back starts to turn out and doesn't stop, it will get ahead of the front. Right. Will that happen? And then you can keep going, follow momentum and make it into a circle. That's what I was thinking. I think that will happen, but neither one of us are capable of making it into a realistic video that illustrates it. He has the power to do that. But how, you think how easy is it to come across like an old fire truck? Like you can buy an old school bus. 
I know people who've bought old school buses and you can buy old police cars. Why can't we get hold of an old fire truck and just own it and drive it around? You, sometimes you get the front, sometimes I get the front. And well, I, th- I think the reason is because the investment is not justified. I mean, there's, I mean, we could also put out fires with it. Um, <laughs> like we're a private fire brigade. That we have like a uh, when you need to get we have a ham radio we like tap into police frequencies and show up with our hook and ladder like we're here you can get really high we could probably come up with other things to do with a ladder a that tall two man bucket brigade well um, we want to thank Freddie W for showing up I think he's listening back to this you know sure he, want, he, is. he Freddie to um, you're a beautiful man thank you for listening we're going to be doing this next week in the meantime check out. Freddie's work, youtube.com slash Freddie W. And also, stay safe this week. Stay safe, stay out of trouble, stay away from fire trucks, and uh, cuddle up next to uh, your significant other if you have one of those, and cuddle up next to some sort of blanket or pillow if you don't have one. Wait, you're ending this like a like a radio DJ? I like giving people some instructions. I like leaving people with uh, something that they can take action on. Cuddle up next to someone and we will see you next week. Or you will, you'll, you'll hear, hear our from voices. Us. Yeah.